We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. and singers this morning. Thank you, church, for worshiping this morning. Amen. Uh, I told several people before service, I, I'm super nervous this morning. I'm nervous every Sunday, but uh, I think it was my grandpa that told me a long time ago, he said, if you stop getting nervous, then you need to stop doing what you're doing. <laughs> I feel, I don't know, there's a, I, the Lord has given me a word this morning for, for us. And I, <clears throat> I didn't know, I didn't intend to go this direction again but we're going to stay in dry seasons. Last Sunday, we talked about, we started about dry seasons, times in, especially the time that we're living in today when it's not rained and it's super hot and it's not fun. But dry seasons in our life, in our spiritual life. And uh, so you're going to have to bear with me this morning Because I believe the Lord has something that he wants to speak to us about today. The book of Matthew chapter 11, book of Matthew chapter 11, everything that we sang this morning just goes right along with this. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 28, 29, and 30. You'd stand for the reading of the word this morning. This week when I was praying and seeking direction, these verses kept rolling over and over in my spirit. I would get to the church early. I would be in my office studying or being here praying and just just couldn't get, couldn't get away from this. And we're going to just dive into this today. So if you're there, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, say amen. It says, come to me, all who, are la who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I am, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Father, we pray that you would open our hearts, our minds, open our ears to hear, that everything that is said today, let it be you speaking directly to us. 
Father, allow me to remove myself, my own thoughts, my own... Just remove me, Father. Allow your Holy Spirit to flow. Flow through me today. Let your words come from my lips. And we can leave here this morning challenged and equipped to follow you, to understand you, to understand your word. We're going to praise you. We're going to give you glory and adoration. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted a big amen. Anybody tired? I'm tired. Are you dry? Last week I said I, I, I have dry mouth, I have dry eyes. I'm always dry. Jesus offers rest to those who are weary and burdened. Jesus. These words are written in red. It says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, all who are weary and burdened down. Today is August the 29th, 2021. Isn't that crazy? It's already at the end of August. It's the 241st day of this year. That means it's 88 days until Thanksgiving and 118 days until Christmas. But for the last month or so, it's been extremely hot and it's been extremely dry. Pastor Greg told me this, this last Wednesday night, he and I and Janetta were standing outside and we were talking and he said that he's got, they've got this little tool or little piece of equipment that they, they can tell what the heat index is. And I guess there's a certain, there's a certain temperature heat index that prevents them when they get to, when it gets to that point they can't practice football and he said he took that little tool and he went out to the field on wednesday afternoon and it was 125 degrees heat index at the turf at pottsville they were practicing inside by the way if you think about it by this time next month i'm fixing to bring hope okay by this time next month, we should be in the 80s. And two months from now, we'll be in the lower 70s, upper 60s. And I see smiles. Oh, I told you I was bringing hope, right? It's going to cool off. The rain's coming. The dry season, the heat, everything that is associated with the dry seasons are going to come to an end. There's nothing that you can do, there's nothing that I can do to hurry up the process. Other than we go into the house and turn the air conditioner way down or go get in the swimming pool or stand out and let your wife spray you with the water hose, whatever. You're not doing that. There's nothing that we can do to change the temperature. There's nothing that we can do to change 
the season, the dry season that we're in right now. Although we, 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 we want to, we're praying, we're, we're doing everything, but there's nothing. When it comes down to it, God's the one that's in control of all of that. We don't have to do more to work our way, ourselves out of our dry season. Instead, you might be thinking, you said that wrong. No, listen, instead, all we have to do is stay steady in our relationship with Christ. Wait on him to grow us and to guide us. You see, sometimes we get the cart in front of the, the horse. We think that we can do things to make a difference. And I, I get it. Sometimes, sometimes there is situations or circumstances that allows us to accomplish a goal. But when it comes down to it, when the rubber meets the road, there's really nothing that I can do other than staying steady in my relationship with Christ. In a small study they, that explored triggers of spiritual dryness. Anybody ever been in a spiritual dry spell? Researchers discovered several different factors that led people into a dark time of faith. There are things that... that that triggers spiritual dryness. Now, I have the article. I have it in my office. If, if you're interested, I can get that to you, but I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm going to talk about one today, and that one is loss of orientation. I was sharing this with Susan. She said, is there another word you can use? And I really don't know of another word that best describes this, but the only way that I can get my point across is, is if, if we took you into, if we brought you into a familiar place. Say I took, say, uh, say I put a blindfold around Pastor McKenzie. I took her out in the, in the hallway and I, I blindfolded her and I brought her in to the sanctuary. She didn't know what door I, I brought her in and I spun her around and, uh, you know, 10 or 15 times, got her real good and dizzy and she didn't know where I placed her and I would tell her, Go find a microphone. She would be disoriented. There would be, she might could find that, that microphone. She might could find an altar or wherever or whatever the item may be, but there are always going to be obstacles that she's going to run into. Whether she knows the place or not, she is disoriented. There is a loss of orientation, something that is triggered a spell of spiritual dryness. When we go through significant changes in our lives, it can shake us up in ways that we never expected it. When you get your world shook, it's going to mess you up. Maybe you've switched jobs. Maybe you're, you've moved to a different location. Maybe your kids are starting a new school. Maybe that it's just different activities. But all of these things, the dynamics that you were used to are now forever 
change. Friendships are going to be different. Maybe, maybe your parents split up when you were a kid. Maybe someone that you loved passed away. No longer have that connection. Things get messed up. You following me? When we lose our orientation to what we were so used to or accustomed accustomed to. I think of our family. When we left Hector many years ago in, well, I don't even know what year it was, 2000, 2001, no, 2004, something like that. Anyway, we left here a long time ago. We were youth pastors. We grew up here. We had friends and we had family here. I think of Ken and Tracy and, and, and our kids, Ethan and Megan and, and Chandler and Lakin. They were best friends. They were the same age that Ken and I coached T-ball together so our kids could be on the same team together. We did everything together. We, we just did things. We did fun things together. But then God moved us from here and he took us to Star City. And then our kids reorienting their sales, their lives to there was not easy. But then not only that, when God took us to the mission field, it wasn't just moving schools. It was different continent, a different language, and having to make friends that were not, that didn't look like me, that didn't talk like me, that didn't live like me. It was very disorienting, trying to find our way, trying to find new meaning or, or, or new relationships, new, new life or whatever. Yes, God was in it. God was orchestrating the whole time our path. Sometimes in your life, in the path that you are walking today, it's not what you thought it was going to be or it, not it's what it was meant to be. Yes, COVID has happened, and that's brought disin, disorientation to every one of us. It's brought pain to our lives. It's brought uncomfortableness to our lives. Our everyday lives seem to be chaotic. I'm going somewhere, so just hang on, okay? Have you felt in the last month, have you felt like your life was just chaotic and out of control? And maybe, just maybe, you can't put your finger on the exact thing that caused it. Maybe you can. And even in the midst of the chaos, have you asked yourself or, or questioned, have you had this question, God, where are you in the midst of all of this chaos? Why are my normal practices, why are the things that I've always done to keep my faith vibrant and alive, what has happened to cause them to become slack? What has happened to make them become lacking in my life right now? Can any of us, can any of you relate to what I'm saying this morning? Can you relate to this? 
Has COVID messed with you? Has the the uproar in Afghanistan and the loss of our troops gotten under your skin? Has, Has masks or no mask bothered you? Has being vaccinated and not being vaccinated caused a, 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 a just like sandpaper in the room? You know, just, I'm vaccinated, I'm not vaccinated. I'm not getting vaccinated. You better get vaccinated. All these things bring unrest and they bring division, not only in our homes, but in the house of God. We can allow these things to creep in and ignore them, or we can allow these things to creep in and address them. And we can stop it right here, or we can say, well, whatever happens, happens. It's just the way it is. Baloney. We don't have to accept what the world is giving us. The only thing that we need to accept is that Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, and is alive today, and he died it, and he did it all for me. Things in our world, in your world, the things that surround you, the things that you allow to creep in, can cause spiritual dryness. I wish I had time to to dive into more of these these things. It's very, very intriguing. You think of, we we just finished the Olympics. Football season is starting. College football started yesterday. All these things, these athletes on TV you may, you may know what I'm fixing to say. You may have experienced that. But if you ever, in, in something that, the only way I can better explain this is by through, athlete, through athletes. But there's other ways. But an athlete that reaches a plateau, what do they do? Do they just become satisfied with where they're at? Or do they hit the gym? A basketball player that, that, that their shot just says, well, I'm just hitting, I'm, I'm going to make up stats, so you just roll with it, okay? I want to be 100% on my free throw shots, on my free throws. I want to be 100%, which is impossible. But they want it, they're, they're at 60%, but they want to be at 100 what do they do? They go to the gym. They stand at that free throw line, and it's constant, one after the other, one after the other. They're working on their form. They're working on their follow-through. They're working on everything to get better, to get past that breakthrough, to get past that plateau. And it could be anything. It could be, it could be hunting. It could be if, you, if you're not a very good shot, what are you going to do? You're going to sit out there, and even though that your, your shell is probably $5 a round, you, you're going to sit there, and you're going to fire that until you hit the bullseye. You're going to practice. You're going to take a deep breath. You're going to do all these things. If, you wanna, if you're a runner and you want to run faster, what are you going to do? You're going to run. You're going to push yourself past the breakthrough, past the point of breakthrough. But I'm so thankful. Now, I'm fixing to say something, and you might not like what I'm about to say, but I want to say it anyway. It doesn't mean trying harder or doing more as it might, as for us as Christians, as it might in the competitive fitness world. 
Sometimes it means just being steady. I've already said that. Just being steady through the season and leaning into Jesus. You're not going to make anything happen, but if you can just stay steady. If you're solid on anything, it better be your relationship with Jesus. It's got to be your relationship. Just because, hey, I'm going to, you know, I may have messed up, but I'm going to come here and I'm going to clap my hands, sing my song, jump, jump up and down, raise. That's nothing. I'm putting out more effort. Yeah, but where's your relationship? I'm going to witness to somebody at the gas station. That's all fine and good. But where's your relationship? Where's your relationship? I'm going to go to the, no, I'm not saying that. Being steady in your relationship. Yeah, I guess there's some practice in that, you know, day in and day out, praying, reading. But you don't do it because you want to get better. You do it because you're in love with Jesus. In the passage that we read, Jesus calls us to draw to him and allow him to carry our burdens. In Matthew 23 and verse 4, it says, They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. If we think of this passage in context, we believe that Jesus is referring to the oppression of the religious rules that the scribes and the Pharisees had put on people. They're talking about the law. They're talking about the law, the yoke, the bondage of law. Jewish rabbis, commentators write this. Jewish rabbis refer to the yoke of the law as a necessary burden that leads to a wise life. If you want to be smart, you've got to bear the burden of the law. The difference is that Jesus here invites his disciples and his future disciples not only to learn from him, but to take his yoke upon him. To put our yoke on him. The scripture that we read, it says, Come all who are labor and heavy, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Take my yoke. The rabbis would continue to speak of placing the yoke of the law on their students, as we read in, in 23 and verse 4. A heavy burden that's required for training, not to carry, not only to carry, but to get used to it. Something that's very uncomfortable. I know that Jesus was referring to the yoke of the law just as the rabbis, but moreover, we need to understand this, that that they are pointing out, unlike the rabbis, Jesus talks about the yoke as if it was his. Jesus, um, hang on, just stay with me. Jesus talks about the yoke as if the law is everything that is that they're talking about is his. What does that mean? What's that mean for you? What does that mean for me? Think about that. What does the yoke mean? I'm coming back.
When I think of the yoke, I think of this. I think of the cross. I know this is not a very heavy cross or I wouldn't be able to carry it around. This is nothing like Christ went through. I know that if you study it, you know and understand that he didn't actually carry the whole cross. He carried the beam. He carried this main beam to Calvary. But it wasn't a couple of rough cut two by fours. It was a beam. It was a beam that was hewn out of a log. I don't know how much it weighed. It probably weighed a couple of hundred pounds. I don't know. But it was heavy. I think of the cross and I think I think of the yoke that is that's talking here, and I think of it as the cross. He's not talking about a, a yoke for humans. I mean a yoke for animals, but a yoke for humans. The only way that he could possibly make his point and to get it across. You see, in my mind, I see Jesus picking up the cross. I see him placing it on his shoulders. I may rip my shirt. But I see him putting it on his shoulders, something kind of like this. And he's wrapping his arms around it because it's, it's not comfortable. It's not easy. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's no pad under here for him to carry it with ease. There's, there's no groove cut out where ergonomically it fits in there just right. It hurts. This little one, it's hurting right now. But I think of, in, in, in my thoughts, in my mind, I'm seeing Jesus picking this up, and he's wrapping his arms around it because he wants, <laughs> he wants to carry your dry spell. He wants to carry your sin. He wants to carry your, your, your heartache. Your problem at home, your problem at work, he wants to carry the burden of you, of yours. And he wraps his arms around it as he is, as, as he is wrapping them, he's thinking of you. He's saying, come to me, the scripture, come to me, all who are labored and heavy burdened. If you're tired, you know, you carry this around all day, you're going to get tired. Your shoulders are going to hurt. You might get blisters. You might even get splinters. Every time I turn and reposition, it digs into another part of my shoulder. It's not comfortable. Yet the whole time Jesus is carrying this cross, when Jesus is carrying this yoke, he's thinking of you. And as he walks down the road, as he's walking down Calvary, Galgotha's Hill, the Via Dolorosa, he's, he, wherever he's going, he's carrying it. All I can think of is just those that are around him, their situations are just... There goes my sin. There goes my problem. There goes my there goes my mess up. There goes my kids that are lost and without God. God got it. Jesus is carrying it. 
Jesus is carrying it to the cross, not just because he wants to or just because it feels good. No, there's nothing that feels good about this. But Jesus is saying, come to me. Send it to me if you're, if you're weary. Remember, I started this. Are you tired? Are you dry? Jesus said, come to me. Send it to me, and I will give you rest. You don't have to carry that heavy, burdensome thing anymore. I'll give you rest. The original translation of that word rest is Shabbat. And Shabbat actually means, it's actually translated to mean Sabbath. Now, I'm fixing to preach to myself, so if I'm preaching to you too, then God's got something for you as well. That's one of the hardest things that I deal with is taking the Sabbath. I'm not, I'm not talking about Sunday being the Sabbath day. I'm talking about a day of rest. I know that my wife constantly preaches that to me. And there are others in here that have said the same thing. That I know that I know that pastoring is fun. I, I love it. I, I, I'm glad I am honored that God chose me and allowed me, called me to do this. But it's not easy. It's a burden sometimes. You say, I can't believe that preacher just said that. It, because I know what you're going through sometimes. And praying for you and thinking of you, sometimes it digs in and I think I just gotta, I've got to reposition it. I've got to get a better angle at this. I've got to attack this. I've got to do something. I can't afford to take a day off because then what happens? Then things get behind and, and I, I forgot to contact somebody and I, for, I forgot to do this. And I, so I'm busy catching up, trying to get caught up. And there's never a day of, there's never, there's never that time when I say, okay, God, here it is. Here it is. The scripture says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I, I'm, not, I'm not preaching this morning, so you'll feel sorry for me and don't call me or don't text me. I, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we have to come to a point in our relationship with Jesus to know that he has called us, yes, and I love him, yes, and there's nothing that I won't do for him, but there are sometimes there are things that I can't do by myself or I can't do unless God does it. knowing the truth that, that we don't have to earn our way to heaven. That's been my biggest deal, I guess. God, you called me to pastor this church, this congregation, this town, this community. I got to do everything. I got I to make it happen. I, I'm going to be the best pastor there ever was. I've said that. I think that. I'm going to do my very best. And Susan will tell you, I'll kill myself doing it. Knowing the truth that we don't have to earn it, 
I don't have to earn my way to heaven. We are allowed and welcome to rest in him. Scripture says, I will give you rest. It helps us stand firm. See, I can't stand firm with this heaviness on me. Can, could you? After a period, you probably could for a while, but after a period of time, you just can't. You, you, get, you get weak under the weight. If I want to stand firm, if I want to stand firm, if you want to stand firm in Christ and let him take the dry season from you, the, the, the pain from you, you got to learn to give it to him. Let Jesus carry the weight. Even though our faith may seem dull at times, we can't stand firm unless we give it to him. Pastor McKenzie, would you come and play this morning? I'm getting ready to close. I'm an Enneagram 7. If you know what Enneagrams are, and you understand I'm the life of the party. That's what a seven is. You're a seven. Cortland's a seven. Anybody else? If you, know what, if you don't know what an Enneagram is, I'm going to send it out today through the text message, and I'll put it on Facebook. You can take the quiz, take the test, and it will tell you what number you are. And it will tell you your personality. All it is is a personality test. And we've done it as a family. The only way I knew about it is our kids were in college and they were doing it and they, they were trying to guess what we were. And I'm a seven. Susan is a two, one. Susan's a one. If you know what that means, it's really funny. <coughs> Aunt Sherry's a one. <laughs> She's not a one? No. I don't remember. Anyway, I shouldn't have said that, but I... But you understand, oh, it, that, ooh, that makes sense. Am I right? I am the life of the party. That's my Enneagram. Nothing can phase me. I'm going, to, I'm going to push until everybody's smiling, having a good time. I am going to do my part. That's, that's what I am. That's me. And that is me. I don't want anybody sad. I don't want anybody unhappy sometimes I feel like or sometimes we fall into believing that our faith is always meant to be on fire or a constant stream of joy and rainbows and unicorns but that's just not how life is We go through seasons that are filled with excitement, fun, growth. We also go through seasons where we don't feel very fun and we don't think that's very exciting. Sometimes life is boring, lonely, and hurtful. God isn't asking you to manufacture something fake and showy just for the cause of Jesus. Because if you're just sad, you're sad, right? 
If you don't feel good, you don't feel good. God knows that where we stand in our relationship with him, he resides in us and we can find rest in him. That I can give him my cross. I can give him my yoke. I can put it on him. Because he said he would. He said, I will give you rest if you'll put it on me. If you'll just give me your sin. If you'll give me your family. If you'll give me your problems. If you'll give me everything that is pulling you down. I got you. I got it. If we reside in him, then we can find rest in that. You see, for those that are united in him, you can maybe you can better understand it this way, that your heart, that, that, that the heart of Jesus is not a rental piece of property, but it's your new permanent residence. That you're not just a tenant, you're a child of God. God's heart. It's not a ticking time bomb, but his heart is the green pastures and the still waters. The still waters of endless reassurances of his presence and his comfort. He loves us in the midst of all of the excitement, of all the joy and all the growth and all the fun and all those good things, but he also is with us. When it's not so exciting, when there's a shakeup going on in your family and in your life, the transitions that we go through sometimes, we feel tossed. We feel, we feel like we, we just, like, I, like the illustration I used with Pastor McKenzie, we feel like we've had a blindfold on and we've just been spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And I don't know which direction is north. I don't know if I'm going in the right direction. I don't know if I'm fixing to walk off this platform. I don't know if I'm going to walk into a wall. I don't know if I'm going to trip into somebody. I don't know. When we feel that we are disoriented, the transitions that we go through, Jesus reminds us that I'll give you rest. In the dry seasons, I've got it. When you don't know what the, when there's, when there's no peace, when there's no, there's no assurance, I've got it. I know life can throw curveballs sometimes. Have you ever watched baseball? Have you ever seen highlights on ESPN or you just seen funny videos? Sometimes when a, some, some pitchers have just crazy curveballs. And before that ball gets there, those, those batters are in the dirt. They've fallen back trying to get out of the way, get out of that way of that ball, going to hit them in the face. And all of a sudden, that ball curves around, catches that catcher's mitt right in, right in the strike zone, and that umpire calls him a strike. Sometimes we think, yeah, here it comes. Here comes that curveball. It's going to hit me right square in the head. I'm getting out of the way. I'm running from the opposite direction. Christ is there. This is where I'm going because this big Mack truck is barreling down on me, and I have got to get out of the way. 
when the, all the time Jesus is saying, give it to me. You're tired. You're weary. You're heavy burdened. You got all this weight that's on you. If you'll give it to me, I can stop that truck. I can stop that, 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 that circumstance that's about to destroy you, what you think is about to destroy you. I've got this. Some of those, yes, we know that are devastating, and some will knock us off of our, listen, comfortable, predictable, tried and true way of life. Now more than ever, we can see this. If we're being honest today, church is not what it used to be. We've got so many things, so many variants that are in our world today that it's not the same. There are situations, there are things that have happened that are keeping people from coming to church. There there are things that have happened that are keeping people from, from doing anything, shaking hands, hugging welcoming i get it i know that there is a a virus i get that but the one thing that doesn't change that hasn't changed is jesus christ and his power but we've allowed something that that is that has crept in and disrupted our life and it's created spiritual dryness yeah it's created it let's be honest What can I do? What can you do? Lean on Jesus and give it to him. I know church is probably never going to get back to the way it was. I get that. That's okay. Jesus hasn't changed. That'd be a real good time to say amen. Jesus hasn't changed. The story hasn't changed. The cross has never changed. The burdens, my burden, your burden, they got heavier, didn't they? They have. They have gotten heavier. The cross is still the same. My Savior died on this cross. He carried it and said, give it to me. Though you're tired, I got this. You're heavy. It's heavy. Let me have it. Let me have it. You just rest in me. I will give you rest. Though it's heavy, I got you. I can give you rest. Ain't nobody else going to give you rest. Are you with me? It's heavy. Anybody want to come hold it? Anybody want to carry this home for a day? None of us do. But he says, I got this. Give it to me. Give me your worries. Give me your stress. Give me your anxiety. Give me your sickness. Give me your your health. Just let me have control of your health, your mind, your soul. Let me have control of all of it. Give it to me. Sometimes when we want to, we think we have to reinvent ourselves. 
We have to do something different to save the world. Susan's kind of bashed me with that a little bit. I got to do something different to change the world, to save the world. There's people that are dying and going to hell. And what am I going to do? I can't just sit here. can't reinvent myself, but I have to refocus myself. I have to refocus myself to the one that has given me the purpose. You have to refocus yourself and give it to the one who's given you the direction that you're supposed to go. The one thing that has not changed in the midst of a dry season, in the midst of a, a spell that we have, we feel like we can't go anywhere, do anything, the one thing that remains the same is Jesus. In the midst of a pandemic, we've not been abandoned. Jesus has not abandoned us. God has not abandoned us. He's always there. He's waiting for you to get the rest that we need. If you would stand with me all over this place this morning. I want to close with two questions. I'm not going to keep you very long. But if you... Before I give you the questions, I want, I want, I'd like to see a show of hands this morning. When you have hit transitional seasons in your life, spiritual transitions, spiritual seasons, and you've felt like you are in a dryness or you've been there, and you feel like defeat is all around you, and the enemy is encamped, and he's trying to everything to destroy you. If you have been there, in the last year, would you slip your hand up and right back? You can leave it up. I don't care. I, I, I've been there. I'll be honest. I feel like there's been times and there's been spiritual attacks. And the enemy thinks, I got them now. Got them now. tell you a quick story. I got these two questions. I, you, yeah, it won't be long. I promise. There was a time when we, when we were on the mission field and I was in a dry spell. I felt like God wasn't answering. I felt like God wasn't there, yet I was doing his work. Susan had had one of her many foot surgeries, one of her seven foot surgeries. She was here in the States because they wouldn't let her go back to Ecuador. I had seven teams, construction teams, vacation Bible school that summer, and I was by myself. Susan, Ethan was already home. Susan and Megan was in the States. I was tired. I was weary. And one night, one night, I don't know if it was a dream. I don't know if it was uh, uh, if it was a real thing, but there was a dark figure that was sit, standing at the foot of my bed. There was a dark figure, and it stood there. In Ecuador, in Otavala, where we lived, there was witchcraft. There was, it was darkness everywhere. Witch doctors in every community. And he just stood there. Not long after that, it was Thanksgiving Day. We were, in, and we were in Mexico in a retreat and got a phone call. And Larry, my stepdad, had passed away. 
had an aneurysm, a brain aneurysm, and, 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 and passed away. Susan and I and the kids, we got on a plane the next day, and we got back to the States and got back to Arkansas. We were supposed to leave there and go back to Ecuador. We got, we got to my mom's that, eight, that the day after Thanksgiving, and we're there, and, and Susan, that night, Susan and Megan were sleeping in one room. Ethan was sleeping in another one. I was sleeping in the room in the center of the house, had no windows. It was dark, pitch dark, had the door shut. And again, I woke up that night, and I, again, I don't know if it, was, if it was a physical dark figure or if it was a dream, I don't know, but this dark figure was at the foot of my bed, and he said these words. I've got you now. I've got you. You're not going back. All those people that you've been trying to reach and preach to, I got them too because I got you. And that next morning when I got up, I didn't know what to do. Got in there and my mom, is me and my mom, we were sitting in the, in the living room drinking coffee and she looked at me and I hadn't told anybody, I hadn't told her this and she looked at me she said, Shannon, you gotta go back. You gotta go back. God always says that, I mean, Scripture says, if you give it to me, if you're weary, you're tired, cast it on me. I've got it. See, we hit transitional seasons in our spiritual walk. And it's not always a sign of defeat. We think that it's always associated with defeat. Two questions. As I close. See, we've got to get back to the basics. Always got to go back to the basics. Number one, what are the basic tenets of your faith? And I don't know what that word means. What are the truths that you stand on? In the midst of a dry spell, what do you stand on? In the midst of a trial, where do you where is your faith? How does it stand? See, these, these are the truths. These are the truths that we, that we stand on, that we, that we ground ourselves in. It's the foundation of God. And this allows us to wait patiently for him to work it out. Number two, what are the basic habits that you use to follow the Lord? What are the basic habits, and that may not be a, 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 the right word, but what are the basic things that you do to follow the Lord? What is the basic truth of your faith? What are the basic habits, the things that you do to follow the Lord? You see, these are the things that help us stay connected to Christ. You may say, you may say, you may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I don't know. I'm in the midst of a dry season. I've got problems. I've got situations. I've got all these things in my head that are destroying me. 
that's robbing me of my faith. I can't stand in my faith because I don't know what faith is. I don't know what the truth is. I don't know what God's doing. I don't know who God is anymore. If we get back to the basics, it's reading and knowing God's word. It's, it's, it's praying and talking to him, right? This is not, that's nothing hard, is it? It's not hard to, to pray. It's not hard to read. Because when we read and we understand, we know that Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come to me. Just come on. Come on. If you're here this morning, as I read this, I want you to come. If God is dealing with you today, if there's something that you need to give to him today, I want you to come. He says, come. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy burdened. If you're weary, if you're tired, I want you to come. Step out from where you're standing right now. I'm not going to ask for eyes to close, heads to bow. I want you to come. Just be obedient. If God's speaking to you, he says, I'll give you rest. If you want rest, you say, preacher, I'm tired. I'm tired. I need rest. He says, if you, if you want rest, I'll give it to you. Put it on me. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The best person that we can learn from is him. And his word, he's not going to shove it, anything, hurt us. He says, I am gentle, lowly at heart, and I will find rest for your souls. He says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He says, I've got you. I've got you. Anybody else this morning? Say, Pastor, I'm tired. I'm struggling. I can't keep going this way. Come on, if you're here this morning, go ahead and just start praying. There's more that are, that are coming. There's more that I believe is supposed to come this morning. Say, Pastor, I, I'm just, I'm aggravated. I'm aggravated. I'm upset. The world's not changing the way I want it to. Have you ever thought that this was just the way that it's going to be? This is God's plan. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. I'm not trying to, to bring gloom, but I, I'm just trying to be honest this morning because in reality, God's in control. The only thing that can make this better is my relationship with him. If I worry about that, if I can worry about my walk with him, everything else, it doesn't matter. You believe that? It doesn't matter who's sitting in the Oval Office. It doesn't matter who's doing whatever. The only thing that I need to be worried about is my relationship, who sits on the throne room of my heart. And am I doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing? 
Because if we all do what we're supposed to be doing, the world could be different. I know this, this is not fun stuff to hear. I, I, I get it. What's it like in here? Is it dry? It's a dry season. We need a spiritual fullness of the presence of God. He said, give it to me. It's light. I, 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 can, I can take care of it. I can, head, I can handle your situation. I can handle your sin. I can handle your loneliness. I can handle your anxiety. I can handle your depression. I can handle your worry. He said, give it to me. Give it to me.